I'm very aware as I preach this morning that that passage that we had um, is a huge passage. It's got lots and lots in it. So I'm going to make an apology first up that I'm not going to talk about everything in it. Um, so if there's a few verses that you're unsure of and you really wished I'd spoken on them, um, you'll just have to grab me at the gate and complain. Um, and I'll hopefully, maybe next time uh, we come to a passage like this, uh, we can cover it instead. Um, but in this passage, Jesus talks first about a gate. And gates are really important, gates and doors. We often take them for granted, but they're really important. Um, a few weeks ago, I was taking assembly at St. Luke's School, and I pretended to walk through a wall, or rather I pretended to try to walk through a wall. Uh, and the kids thought I was really silly, which I know is gonna come as a complete shock and surprise to <laughs> those of you in the congregation here. You see, I couldn't walk through the wall. It was obvious, wasn't it? I needed to use the door instead. And the kids shouted this at me. So I went out through the door and brought something back in. Doors and gates are really important. And there's so many gates around us. We often take them for granted. Just think there's school gates, there's garden gates. Um, I know at least one member of the congregation probably has chicken coop gates. Um, park gates. In fact, I was trying to count up and I think there might even be some people here this morning who have been through four different sets of gates on their way to church. There'll have been their garden gates. There might have been the level crossing gates, the lich gates on the way into the churchyard. And can you remember what the fourth one is? You might not have even spotted them. The porch gates. There's the iron railings on the way into the porch by the main door. Well, thankfully, they were all open, or at least they hopefully opened when you eventually worked out what the security code was or when the trains eventually passed and the gates went back up. You see, gates are a bit like walls and fences. Gates are there to protect something on the other side. It might be to protect the train from a car coming past just as it's about to zoom past. Or maybe it's to protect the pedestrians from when a train is about to go. Gates protect just like fences and walls. But at the same time, of course, gates are unlike fences and walls. At times we open them to let things pass through or people pass through. See, once it's safe, once the train's gone past, well then the level crossing gates pop back up and the traffic resumes. Or once the parents and the carers have safely arrived at pickup time, well then the school gates open up, the kids come flooding out and the teachers breathe a sigh of relief. Um, of course, we all know this, don't we? I don't need to give you a pep talk on gates, but it's helpful to think about them again because Jesus has a lot to say about gates in today's passage. Um, if you've closed your Bible, we're on page 96 um, in the New Testament, um, in the Pew Bibles, page 96. It's John chapter 10. And Jesus is talking about sheepfolds or sheep pens. Now, sheepfolds in the New Testament time, they're not like the ones that you might see on TV. I'm not sure if you've ever watched or even been in person at a sheepdog trial. And they tend to have those kind of I guess what looks like four country gates bolted together. 
Well, um, sheepfolds in the New Testament time were quite different. They would have been walled all the way round to protect the sheep. And then there would have been a small opening at one bit, and that's where the gate would have been. So while the gate was closed, the sheep were protected. They were protected on the inside. At night, wild animals can't attack the sheep. The sheep also, they can't just wander off and get lost. They're safe while the gate is closed. But then the gate gets opened occasionally. It gets opened so that the sheep can come in at night time and be safe. It gets opened so that the shepherd can come in and check the sheep. And of course, it also gets opened in the morning to let the sheep out to find pasture once the shepherd is there. See, the gates make sure the sheep are safe. When the gate's closed, the sheep are protected on the inside. They're safe. And when the gate opens, it means that the shepherd is there to protect them. They're still safe. So the gate makes sure they're safe on the inside. And when they go outside, that they only go out when it's safe. See, gates are important. Gates on sheepfolds keep the sheep safe. So where is Jesus going with all this? Well, he makes an astounding claim in verse 7, if you've got it open there in front of you. He says, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. Jesus is the one who protects his spiritual sheep. And in case we missed it, well, he repeats it again in verse 9. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. Whoever enters through Jesus will be safe. Whoever is part of his spiritual flock of sheep will be protected. And whoever is protected by Jesus well, they can come in and go out and they don't have anything to fear. And the wonderful thing about this gate is that it's not an object. It's not a thing. It's not even a way of doing things. Jesus says this gate is a person. He is the gate. So I wonder, do you know this? I wonder, do you know Jesus? Have you come to him? Have you entered through him? Do you know what it's like to be on the inside, protected by Jesus, or to be able to go out without anything to fear? See, Jesus is the one who gives us protection. He's the one who gives us hope. He's the one who leads us to find pasture his blessings in this world and the world to come as well. We can live in this world without worry if we know Jesus. And I want us to notice another thing about Jesus being the gate. You see, it's more than just health and safety. It's a matter of life and death. In verse 10, Jesus says, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. 
See, in verse 10, Jesus is honest. He tells us the bad news. There are those who want to steal and kill and destroy. Think about that. I guess we just have to cast our minds to what we see on the news each night and what we've seen over the past few months. We've probably all seen those images on the news of the Russian armies, the forces coming in stealing, killing, destroying in Ukraine. It's horrific, isn't it? This is what Jesus is talking about. Death and destruction. Yes, even though we can see those things on the screens, we probably struggle to imagine what actually it must be like. But that's what it's like without Jesus. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Jesus is honest that there's other people who are going to try and come into the sheepfold, who are going to pretend to be shepherds, but they're false shepherds, false leaders. They're thieves without Jesus. And he's honest that actually even within the church, there's going to be people who are going to try and sneak in to take control of the flock, but actually all they want to do is damage the church to kill, to kill and steal and destroy. And they're false shepherds because they haven't come in through Jesus. They've ignored him. They've got other reasons, other intentions. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. But with Jesus, it couldn't be more different. It's the total opposite. If the thief comes to kill and steal and destroy, well, Jesus, he says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Life. Full life. Life without strings attached. Life without any disappointment. Life to the full, 100% life. And I guess this is where the comparison with the situation with Ukraine breaks down. See, life with Jesus is so much better than eventually getting a visa and coming to live in England. Being a refugee in a peaceful country is the lesser of two evils. No, with Jesus, it's better than that. It's better than living in a peaceful country. It's better than living in a country without the threat of war. It's better than living in a country that has never known war. Living without a care in the world. You see, it's hard for us to imagine what life, full life, is like. We experience hints of it now, don't we? We get glimpses of it. But even... The best life is tinged with sadness and difficulties. We may all live in one of the nicest parts of Merseyside, maybe even one of the nicest parts of England, but I'm sure each of us here have known heartache and difficulties and may continue to know them. You see, we struggle to imagine this life that Jesus describes. It sounds almost too good to be true, doesn't it? But when we come to Jesus, when we enter through him, we begin to experience life that is full. Our life changes for the better. Now, I'm not saying that there won't be any problems. We know that's not true. But I'm saying that the problems that they are, they begin to change. 
The way we view them seems to change. They don't seem as big. They don't seem as ultimate or as devastating as they once did. And the reason for this change is because of the second way that Jesus describes himself in this passage. You see, Jesus has been talking of the sheepfold and the sheep and the gates. And it's almost now like he mixes his metaphors because now he focuses on, on the shepherd. But not any old shepherd. In verse 11, he says, I am the good shepherd. See, Jesus is the gate, but he's also the shepherd. He's like a shepherd. But not just any shepherd, a good shepherd. And not just any good shepherd, the good shepherd, unlike any other shepherd. You see, shepherds are there to protect their sheep. And of course, difficulties come. Wolves attack. Thieves and robbers try to sneak in or break in or attack. But the shepherd, it's his job to protect the sheep. And in fact, good shepherds, true shepherds, real shepherds, well, they are willing to die for their sheep. That's what Jesus is willing to do. He is the leader unlike any other. In verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. See, Jesus is willing to take the hit. Jesus is willing to face the difficulties for us. That's what shepherds do. They stand in the way of danger. But Jesus goes further than that. He's willing to die for us. More than that, he has died for us. See, that's how much Jesus, this good shepherd, loves you. He has died for you. He has laid down his life for you. He was willing to be killed and destroyed for you. That's how much Jesus loves you. And if you doubt that he loves you, We'll listen again to the intimacy in this passage between Jesus, the good shepherd, and his people, the sheep. In verse 3, he says, He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Jesus knows your name. He speaks it. Have you heard it? Have you heard him calling you? He's calling you today. And verse 4, it goes on. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them. Jesus goes first. He doesn't have a sheepdog to scare us to go in a particular way. He goes first. He leads us at the front. And the rest of verse 4, and to sheep follow him because they know his voice. Jesus speaks. Christians know his voice. When we read his words in the Bible, that is him speaking directly to us. 
That is what his voice sounds like. In verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. So do you know Jesus? If you do know Jesus, you can be sure, you can be certain that he knows you as well. He's looking after you. And if you're not sure, well, the wonderful news is that this isn't an exclusive club. There's no bar on entry. Jesus says later in the passage, I have other sheep that are not of this sheepfold. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. You see, Jesus didn't come just to rescue the Jews. He came to rescue people from every nation under heaven to bring us all together as one flock with him as the shepherd. So here's the question for all of us. Have you heard Jesus' voice? See, there are plenty of other voices in this world trying to pull us away from him. Sadly, even in the church, there are some leaders who want us to stop focusing on Jesus. Lots of other voices, but only Jesus' voice is the one that counts. Only Jesus offers true life. So do you know him as your shepherd? Have you experienced his protection, his care, his love for you? Jesus is the good shepherd. He wants you to know that. He wants you to experience this. He has laid down his life for you so that each of us here can experience that life to the full that he offers us. See, only Jesus offers this. Nobody else does, but he is offering it. So have you accepted this? Well, I want to say, if you're not sure, but you feel Jesus might be calling you even today, which I think he is, well, do speak to me afterwards. Maybe catch me at the door, or maybe catch me over a cuppa. But don't leave church today until you've acknowledged that he's speaking to you and that you've done something about it. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much that you are the gate, that whoever enters through you will be saved. Thank you that you are the way to salvation, that you are the way to protection, that because of you we can go in and out and find pasture, that we can know your protection in this world, that we don't have to face life on our own. And Lord, thank you so much that you are the good shepherd, unlike anyone else. That all other leaders in this world, even church leaders, even people like me, that we are a pale comparison compared to you. We're nothing compared to you. You are so much more wonderful. Because you have laid down your life for us. Lord Jesus, thank you so much that you have come 
so that we can have life and have it to the full. And Lord, even though this life in this world has its problems, thank you so much that because of you, we can begin to experience this life to the full. We can begin to experience you with us. So Lord, we pray for anyone here who feels like they're, like you're calling to them. Would you help them to listen and to respond? And to the rest of us, Lord, who've maybe gone a bit cold or maybe have been in danger of wandering off, please set us on fire again. Remind us of your voice. Help us to listen to it afresh, that we may experience this life to the full afresh as well. So please, Lord, would you bless us in this. And we pray this for your glory. Amen.